this is episode 47 of All About Fitness. Today on All About Fitness, I have my second interview with uh, one of my good, good friends here in San Diego, Ms. Jessica Matthews. The last time Jessica and I spoke, we, we spoke about the benefits of yoga training in terms of helping you reduce the aging process or helping you to minimize or mitigate the effects of biological aging process. Jessica's been involved with teaching yoga and teaching instructors how to teach yoga for a number of years. But today on All About Fitness, having Jessica back, we're here to talk about her new book. She sat down and wrote the book called Stretching to Stay Young. So on this episode of All About Fitness, Jessica and I talk about the benefits of different types of exercise, from strength training to aerobic endurance training, and to obviously, well, you guessed it, stretching. So Jessica is an adjunct faculty of exercise science at Point Loma Nazarene University. She's a PhD candidate working on a program in health and wellness and exercise. I always enjoy talking to Jessica. We were actually colleagues for a number of years. We worked right next to each other at the American Council on Exercise. We both worked in the education department. She did a lot of work with group, group fitness programs. I did a lot of work, obviously, with the personal trainer programs. Um, that's my background. And so anytime Jessica and I get together, we really just have fun talking about various things related to exercise and how exercise can enhance the overall quality of life. The one thing that we have to realize is that you know, it's not just exercise, it's physical activity. So for people listening out there that, that think to themselves, well, I'm not a gym person. I don't like taking classes. I don't like exercise. Well, if you don't like exercise, you don't need to exercise. But you really need to find a way to be physically active. Does that mean taking walks? Sure. Does that mean going for hikes? Sure. Does that mean cleaning up the yard? Does that mean volunteering and helping somebody else clean up their yard? Yeah, there's, there are a number of ways to get your physical activity. The fact is, our bodies want to be physically active. We were designed to move. We were not designed to sit in front of screens for 8, 10, 12, however many hours a day. We weren't designed to sit inside cars for umpteen hours a day. I can't wait till we have automated driving. That way I can get other stuff done while going from point A to point B. But anyway, that's besides the point. Today on All About Fitness, Jessica and Matthews and I really talk about the benefits of flexibility training, how the right flexibility training program can actually slow down the effects of the aging process on your body, and how today you can start a flexibility or mobility training that'll work for you and your needs. So after a couple quick words from the sponsors of All About Fitness, we're sitting down with Jessica Matthews, the author of Stretching to Stay Young. Core Fitness is the maker of the new TerraCore, which is a step, bench, balance trainer, and multifaceted exercise tool combined into one single platform. Go to vicorefitness.com to see the newest piece of equipment that will be taking the fitness industry by storm in 2017. Use the code AAF to save 20% on purchasing a TerraCore of your own. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness. Vicor Fitness. Better results from better products. Active Motion Bar is the first resistance training bar where 30% of the weight is a moving mass. An Active Motion Bar can help you strengthen your fascia and elastic connective tissue as well as your muscle, which is important for staying injury-free during the aging process. Research has found that exercising with an active motion bar can be up to 170% more effective than using traditional weighted bars. Active Motion Bar, let the resistance move you. www.activmotionbar.com
here with All About Fitness. I'm interviewing Jessica Matthews, the author of Stretching to Stay Young. So Jessica, how'd you get the uh, motivation to write this book? Uh, well, I will tell you just from my own personal story, uh, as you know, I've worked in the fitness industry for the last 17 years, and I'll be completely honest, at the earlier onset of my career, I was teaching tons of group fitness classes. At the time, it was a lot of step aerobics, uh, high-impact stuff, cardio kickboxing. I was doing a ton of cardio and a ton of strength training and absolutely zero work on flexibility. So I can just kind of, from my own experience, kind of share my journey in getting into flexibility training and the importance of stretching. So when I was approached about this book, I thought it would be a wonderful resource to really put together kind of the latest science and also to make it really applicable and practical for people who don't necessarily have to have a degree in exercise science to understand how you can get started with developing your own stretching routine. And so what are, I mean, we know the components of fitness are strength training, cardio training, and flexibility. And what type of, do you, do you focus on any specific type of flexibility in the book? Great question. And that was actually one of the things that in kind of just seeing what resources were out there, which I'll tell you the truth, as far as all the components of fitness are concerned, I feel like flexibility is honestly the most overlooked aspect of fitness. And so when I was looking at what are some of the resources out there, I saw they were very limited in terms of the different approaches to stretching. So I really in the book wanted to focus on what are different types of stretches you can do and how can you really create kind of a multi-dimensional stretching routine. So the book talks talks about everything from static stretching, which is what many people think of when we think of stretching, you know, holding a stretch to an end range. Um, but I also wanted to include, you know, the importance of dynamic stretching, you know, more of those kind of range of motion type of exercises and how they work into a routine. And also even talked about, while not technically a stretching technique per se, I did also include in the book a little bit about self-myofascial release, which I know you're a big supporter and advocate for, because I felt like that was important, again, to paint a more complete picture of flexibility and mobility. And, and that's important because what do you, what, why do you think most people, where do you think most people have issues with flexibility? Like when you look at the general population, where do you think most people, how do you think flexibility or lack of flexibility affects most people in their daily lives? Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things is, you know, I go back to looking at, and this, you know, kind of the exercise physiologist, kinesiology professor brain of mine, I look at how is the body designed to move? And then what are we doing in everyday life? And how are those things either aligned or how do they deviate from one another? So I find, you know, just the things that I see with my students, with clients over the years has been, you know, people just spending a lot of time seated. Obviously, you know, we've seen kind of the effects that that has on posture, on range of motion in the hips. Um, you know, a lot of people spending time driving, typing at computers, texting on phones, you know, just seeing that kind of that rounded forward shoulder position. Well, let me let me pause right there for a second and don't mean to interrupt, but mm -hmm. let's look at texting for a second because this is one thing I've noticed. And, and you know, you see now, I was commenting with somebody about this the other day, where you stand in line now, you don't stand in line and chat to the person in line with you anymore. Whereas before, you know, five, 10 years ago, you might stand in line, you might have an, you know, an innocuous, awkward conversation with the person at the coffee shop while you're waiting a couple of minutes for your coffee. Now, nobody does that. Mm -hmm. And what, so, but everybody is in, in uh, who is a comedian? The comedian, uh, Greg Gerardo, mm -hmm. refers to people on their phones like crack addled praying mantises, which is exactly what it looks like. How does that change our flexibility? How does holding a mobile phone, whether you're texting, checking, whatever you're doing with a mobile phone, 
how does holding a mobile phone change our mobility, change our flexibility? Oh, yes, I'm so glad you bring this up. Also, you know, for me, I am a yoga teacher and I do a lot of work in kind of the mindfulness space, too. So I could have a whole segue, a different topic of conversation about being mindful and present uh, and aware in our daily surroundings and interactions. But that's for another show. <laughs> um, but to answer kind of your question and talk about this topic, I actually just recently did an interview with Men's Fitness talking very much about this. How is using your phone negatively impacting your workout? Great topic. I thought it was awesome. And it talks about exactly what you're getting at, which is what are the, is the body position we're spending so much time in? So yeah, when we're texting, you have that forward head position, rounded shoulders, uh, you know, you've got kind of that slumped body position overall. And what that's doing, I mean, already, and since I did that interview with men's fitness, we we're already talking about, you know, for most of us, men included, since we spend a lot of days, you know, churning the chest, shoulders, we're already getting a lot of strength and focus in the chest and shoulder area. And when we're in this rounded forward shoulder position, you know, what we're starting to do is we're just getting tighter and tighter and stiffer and stiffer in those areas. So the shoulder joint starts to become less mobile. Uh, we start to see that we have less strength. That's, you know, kind of the parallel. We've got to have flexibility, right? Mobility, and then also strength and stability to allow for good quality movement. We see the muscles of the upper back start to get weakened. Uh, I mean, that head position, that that's why people complain of things like neck pain, chronic neck pain, chronic lower back pain. These are all things that are related to the repetitive movements that we're doing. And quite honestly, we're doing them very mindlessly throughout the day. And that's what I don't think people realize. And I fall into this trap too, is when you use a mobile phone, holding, holding a phone in your hands, even though it might not seem like much, it is pulling you forward. And being pulled forward puts pressure on your back. So if you have back pain, if you're experiencing shoulder pain, and how about headaches? Is there a relationship between using a mobile phone and headaches? There is. And so, we're, again, talking about this forward head position, you know, that rounded shoulders, we've seen, and actually I do talk about in the book, you know, the challenges that we see with the muscles, you know, related to the neck. We don't think a lot, many of us don't even think about stretching, but then when we do even get into stretching, we might be thinking other areas of the body. We forget about all the musculature in the upper body, which includes the, the neck. And so stretching those muscles, I have a whole section in the book that talks about, you know, stretches for the upper body, including the neck, um, that can be correlated, you know, tightness, stiffness in those muscles can be correlated with, you know, experiencing headaches more frequently. And, and that's, that's one, of, one of the things I liked about it in going through it is you're, you're talking about the balance, Jessica, because a lot of times people focus on, like, if, if you feel like you have tight hamstrings, the tendency is I'm going to stretch my hamstrings. But tight hamstrings can be an effect of being seated all day. And if you're seated all day, what are the muscles that are tight? Absolutely. And so, and I love that you're bringing this up. And I know you and I talk a lot about this, the body as a kinetic chain. Everything is interconnected. So sometimes where we're experiencing pain and discomfort in one area isn't just a direct result of that area. You know, everything's kind of an interplay off of one another. So when we spend time seated, I mean, one of the biggest things is we have the hips in a flex position. So the hip flexor muscles, that kind of broader group of muscles, we'll just call it, they become tightened and constricted. And so then when we, you know, go out to do a workout or to engage in one of our favorite leisure time activities, the hips are limited in terms of their range of motion. And that's something that, you know, from a postural standpoint, and you mentioned low back pain, which, you know, the estimates are 80% of people at some point in their life will experience low back pain. That's significant. I mean, the vast majority of the population will experience low back pain. One of the biggest culprits is definitely all the time we spend seated and in these, you know, kind of positions of sedentary behavior. And that's why I think that people don't realize that if you feel sometimes pain in your back or pain in your hamstrings, 
you need to stretch the muscles on the other side of the body mm-hmm. because there's a balance. I mean, what what's an analogy that you could use to describe that? Yeah, and actually that's one of the things that I talk about in the book is this fact that even if we're, you know, in a workout engaging certain muscles and, you know, we think, okay, today if I, you know, worked my chest, I need to stretch the muscles in my chest. Yes, but we also need to work the muscles that are on the opposing side. There needs to be this equal amount of pull in each direction, if you will. So we need that muscular balance. So like you mentioned, you know, if we're experiencing tight hamstrings, we also need to look at, okay, well, what joint actions, you know, how does the hamstring allow the body to move? And then what are the muscles that allow for oppositional movement? It needs to be the analogy I give is like, it needs to be, it's a good relationship, if you will. It needs to be a little give and take from both parties. Yeah. And that's what I think that, that a lot of people overlook. They, they think they know they need to stretch. And so they'll go after like one specific area. They'll like say, okay, I need to stretch my hamstrings or my calves. Now, and to stay on that for a second, what do you think, you know, what's the issue with calves? I mean, do you think that people have a lot of, do you think that having tight calves can affect the rest of the body? And where, where, how do, how do we get tight calves in the first place? Absolutely. And I can, again, I'll speak from my own personal experience is I used to, I am someone who is not very tall by design. Uh, you know this about me. I'm only about 5'2". So uh, some people have told me I appear taller on TV. I don't know, but <laughs> I am only 5'2". Uh, but I will tell you this, very early on in my life, you know, through my teenage years and, you know, my early 20s, I wore heels all the time. And what I noticed as a result of wearing heels, just by nature, you know, so I'm speaking to the women out there, if you wear heels very frequently, you're putting your body in a position where throughout the day, all day long, however long you're wearing those heels for, your calves are becoming tightened and tightened by the minute. So if you're spending a lot of time, you know, wearing, say, heeled shoes, what you find is the the calves start to become tighter. Well, then when you go to do movements, like I saw this in my own workouts, I would go to do something like a squat. And I would realize my mechanics were all thrown off. So I look again at the body and movement from, I always look from the ground up, right? A house analogy. Got to build a good foundation and then you can put the walls on, the roof on, the windows, the whole nine. So I do think obviously, you know, the calf muscles and, you know, the the fact that they act, you know, and produce action at the ankle joint. If you start to have limited range of motion in that key joint, the ankle's designed to be really mobile. Well, then what starts to happen? You have a cracked foundation, starts to work its way up all the other pieces of the house. And that's what, and, you know, for the guys out there that don't wear five-inch stiletto Mm -hmm. heels, you know, there are some that do, and there's no judgment. Um, But for for guys out there that, that wear work boots, that wear construction boots, that wear you know, if the cowboy boots or even dress shoes, that can affect you too. Cause those, those shoes will have like a, a, what, what, a heel drop is the difference between the height of the heel and the, and the forefoot in a shoe. So if you look at your boots, if you're wearing, you know, construction boots or motorcycle boots, even running shoes can have a pretty significant heel drop. If the heel is higher than the toes, more pressure is going to be put on the front of the foot. As a consequence, what, what does not happen to, to the calf muscles? I mean, what, Yeah. So what happens is, I mean, and this is one of the things I think in, you know, talking with people who run and just seeing, you know, things that people experience, issues that runners experience, other endurance athletes, depending on the nature of their activity. One of the things, you know, you hear from runners a lot is, oh, you know, shin splints I experience or, you know, pain in the lower leg, ankle. And so what we want to think is, you know, there are multiple, again, the ankle's a very mobile joint. There's multiple actions that should happen at the ankle joint. And so if we're doing a lot of things, like you mentioned, you know, we're in that position where basically we have the ankle plantar flex, right? Or think kind of like the toes pointed down towards the ground. So think that heel analogy. If we're spending all 
all our time in that position and we don't have kind of again looking at opposition if we don't have any point in time we're really getting the ankle moving in the other direction or dorsiflexion right the toes kind of up what we start to see is again we create the imbalance between the muscles so now you've got those opposing muscles the muscles that make up you know the calf gastrocnemius soleus you've got the muscles on the front side of the shin tibialis anterior and they're not working they're each not pulling their equal weight if you will so remember a good relationship is a little give and take and that and that's important because i think you know so many people out there enjoy running and they may not realize that the shoes they wear at work can have a direct impact or you know or the fact if you do wear heels if you have that meeting and or if you're you know if you're a guy if you wear loafers if you wear work boots um, what are some ways, what's an easy strategy? I mean, what, what, are, what do you recommend before exercise? Because I know there's been some information about, you know, there's been debate about static stretching is holding a muscle in a lengthened position. We, we're used to that, you know, hold a muscle, you lengthen it. And what's dynamic stretching? You know, kind of how, wh which one is better before a workout as we get started with a warm up? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And of course, as you mentioned, as with many topics related to fitness, there tends to be a lot of discussion and debate and varying research. Really? Like, yeah, oh. we, we have to, you know this well, and obviously the essence of this whole show is like, you know, to bring some science and how does it apply to our lives. So again, in the book, I talk about, you know, what the vast majority of the literature supports is for the most part, having a, a more dynamic approach to our warm-up. So incorporating dynamic stretches. Those are those kind of movements that take the joints through their full range of motion, that start to serve as movement prep, if you will. So kind of giving the body, not only the muscles, right, but the nervous system, right, together, the neuromuscular system, they work in tandem, they work together, um, starting to give them a preview of what's to come in the workout. That tends to be the most advantageous approach to working out. Now there is some debate. Could you have some static stretching as part of the warm-up? You could, depending on what you're doing, but one of the most important things is to think about this. The warm-up should serve as an opportunity to increase core body temperature, to start to increase heart rate, and so a dynamic warm-up helps to do just that. And that's where, I mean, dynamic warm-up could just be simply doing some, like, light skips or even a jump, you know, doing some jump rope and, and doing some body weight movements, traditionally what we've called calisthenics. You know, mm -hmm. calisthenics are what our parents did, and now, you know, now we're calling it, it sounds, I think, I think dynamic warm-up, I think movement prep sounds a little bit more, that sounds a little more athletic than, than doing calisthenics. Right. Calisthenics, I get a picture of somebody in, like, you know, Chuck, you know, Chuck Taylors and, you know, the, the full gym, the gym outfit from the 1970s. and. Yeah doing toe touches or Jack LaLanne, you know, you know, rest his soul. But you look at that, but I think people don't realize that any movement you do, any, would you consider any exercise you do kind of a form of dynamic flexibility, especially ones that are ground-based? Absolutely. And this is where, you know, I, I, I teach many classes. I, I teach a number of different activity-based classes as well at the college where I teach. And my students, I often find are surprised that the warm-up almost seems so simplistic. So I love this. I know you're a big advocate for this as well exercise doesn't need to be complex. The human body is complex, but what we can do is take all of the complex science in the intricacies of the body and then make the application much more simplistic. So, you know, we're doing things, um, you know, I love one of my favorites. And again, some of the things you'll see in the book, as I know you've gone through it, you know, I love some things that promote that thoracic spine mobility, cat and cow. I'm a yoga teacher. So it's like, that's just, that's always a staple. So they would go, Professor Matthews, we know we're going to do cat and cow today. You're absolutely right. Because yeah. thoracic spine mobility is really important for good 
good quality movement and good posture. Um, but also other things too, you know, arm circles, leg swings, stuff that people go, oh, I know this. I maybe have even done this before, maybe back in the day in a PE class. Oh, this is a good form of, you know, a way to warm my body. Absolutely. Now, and so how can that help people stay young? Well, first of all, the question, I'll set a two-part question. Mm -hmm. Can improving flexibility and mobility, can that help somebody stay younger, maintain a phys younger kind of like physical, you, you have structure, you know, a younger kind of functional age? And if so, how? Absolutely. And so this was, you know, in the title of the book, one of the things that, you know, I want to put out there is, to me, staying young isn't about, it's not an age it's not a, you know, a physical appearance, if you will. It's the ability to go through your life and to do the activities and the things you want to do with enjoyment and ease and kind of have a sense of freedom, if you will, in your life. So to answer your question, can stretching help you to stay young using that definition of young? Absolutely. So what we know, a couple things um, do happen as we age. So I have this discussion a lot. And, you know, I've taught at different colleges where my college students will span anywhere from 18 years old to in their 80s, that whole yeah. range. And I know you know this kind of as well. And, you know, teaching, you know, different places and working with different students. One of the things I constantly hear from people is, oh, well, as we age, these are just the things that are going to happen. Right. I'm not going to be able to, you know, do things with as much ease. I'm not going to be as strong, I'm not going to be as flexible. And there is a little bit of truth to that in terms of, yes, as we age, there are physiological changes that happen. So we know, you know, uh, for every year kind of past the age of about 30, we lose on average about a half a pound of muscle mass. If we're not, here's the key, yeah, yeah. if we're not regularly strength training, here's things that happen if we're not regularly engaged in stretching and various mobility work. Uh, we start to see that as, you know, if we lose muscle mass and then those muscle fibers, they're replaced by collagen, we see that that starts to become stiff and dense and starts to limit our range of motion. So there are things that do change as we get older, but the caveat is if we're not regularly moving our bodies and training in an appropriate way. And it's important for people to realize that your muscles are actually layers. They're actually, you know, we have, we see these books and, and it's always tough because when you look at an anatomy book or even with the pictures, you don't get a sense. You know, when I did that cadaver lab a few years ago, you really saw that muscles are layers. So in a normal muscle, when you're moving, collagen will align parallel to the muscle fibers. Mm -hmm. What happens, what, what does collagen do? Collagen, well, just so you know, collagen is a relatively inelastic material. It doesn't stretch much, but it provides rigidity to your muscle tissue and it provides rigidity to your fascia if it's lined parallel with the fibers. But when fascia binds between layers, when, sorry, when collagen, when collagen binds between layers, mm -hmm. What happens with that, Jess? Well, and that's the thing that, and this is why also you brought up the word fascia again, and that's why I told you, even though the book is about stretching per se and self-myofascial release is not, quote, a stretching technique, I felt it was vital to give this, again, a more complete picture of how the body's designed and what's happening and how that influences our ability to, you know, move the joints freely, to engage in the activities we love with greater ease. And so what you're talking about, you know, as you mentioned, collagen, it's not very elastic. So it's going to start to limit our ability to move freely at the joints. And we talked about, you know, as we start to experience limitations, what, you know, kind of domino effect does that have in the body? So again, something that starts to become limited in one area, how does that affect other areas? But other things too that I think is important to talk about is also the fascia and how do we actually look at you know that kind of densely woven you know kind of web if you will throughout the body we have to address that as well in addition to just the muscles we've taken in the fitness industry a very muscle focused approach but like you said it perfect there's multiple layers and facets to that and we have to look at the complete picture and, and what happens is if collagen binds if collagen binds down between layers 
that's where we get adhesions. That's where we get knots from. So, well, dynamic. If, if somebody's doing dynamic stretching or doing yoga, will will that will that keep the tissue from bonding down? Will that help the tissue slide to, slide together? Absolutely. And then the other thing that's really helpful. You mentioned this is you know talking about you know if those adhesions and whatnot develop. This is where self myofascial release. If you're doing foam rolling, if you're using a tennis ball, there's lots of different ways yeah, you can like approach you it. You had a few different examples in the book. Yeah. And, and so it can be very. And what's what's one example of a, of a of somebody could do like at home if they have a tennis ball? What's something they could easily do? I was gonna say with a tennis ball you can one of the things i love doing with a tennis ball in particular is in an area that many people don't focus on is in your feet your yeah. feet we it's like it's so funny you mentioned anatomy charts and pictures and stuff somehow it seems like at the ankle nothing happens below that we just cut it right off there we don't even look at the feet so a tennis ball great way you can actually just literally roll the foot just tennis ball under the foot roll just those little short movements you know just a couple inches in each direction you find those little you know and i talk about this in the book with any type of technique tennis ball foam roller you, know, you can do that just gentle motion forward and back if you also find any areas that feel particularly tight or tender you can apply either depends on your pain tolerance and your threshold yeah. you can either apply just some gentle pressure you know at that direct area or just nearby that area so you can also in addition to having the movement you can also just kind of apply direct pressure and hold using that tool tennis ball foam roller whatever you choose to use and, and that's what, what if you get a massage if anybody's ever gotten a massage what a massage therapist is doing is going through the layers of, of muscle and breaking up the collagen and trying to repattern that so basically what self-myofascial release is is like giving yourself a massage to doing that. So, you know, when you, as, as you look at this, I mean, as somebody gets older, how many times a week or how often should they be trying to add flexibility or some stretching to their, to their daily routine? Great question. And, and looking at, again, the current body of research and then looking at what are the current established guidelines for physical activity, um, ideally at least two to three days per week, that's per you know the ACSM's current guidelines, should be devoted to flexibility training. Now, again, the key is for all major muscle tendon groups. So you want to work the entire body. It's not just what did I use in this particular workout. You do want to you know focus on the entire body. But ideally, and this again is supported by the research, ideally you want to be doing some stretching every day. And so I talk about in the book, and I'll share this just as something, you know, for people to think about. Um, one of the things we know from the research is that muscles tend to be best stretched when they are warm. So this is where we think, you mentioned warm up earlier, you know, now looking at the tail end of the workout, the cool down, if you will, we tend to think of that being a great time for static stretching, right? Those stretches that you hold to an end point um, because the body is warm, right? We've done some type of activity, the body's warm. But I know in talking with people, sometimes they're like, maybe they don't have a regular routine of you know, physical activity yet, or they want to do stretching at other points in their day when their body feels like you know that might best serve them, like in the morning or in the late evening. One of the things that I love to tell people is create a little routine for yourself, a little ritual, if you will. Do something like take a hot shower or a hot bath. That will also be a great way to literally warm your body, and then you can do some great static stretching. Perfect for before bedtime, one of my favorites. Yeah, it's a great way to kind of start getting the parasympathetic nervous system in. Your sympathetic nervous system is the, the fight or flight, and the parasympathetic nervous system is what helps promote rest. Now, I want to come back to something, Jessica, mm -hmm. you know, to, before we wrap up. Um, you talked earlier a little bit about mindfulness, and this is kind of interesting. You, you don't... I've had recently I've had Dan John on the show and Dan John's a strength coach, but he's also a religion and philosophy professor. So he teaches religion and philosophy. And I, Juan Carlos Santana and I were talking the other day. He's going to be on, on a podcast or he's already been on a podcast. And he was talking about a lot of his training now isn't necessarily specific on the physical being, but it's also on kind of the, the spiritual being. And I don't want to go spiritual because that means a lot of things to a lot of people. But what does what does exercise do 
for our mind? What 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 is the benefit? Even if somebody isn't really exercising now, mm-hmm. and they're finding they're in a lot of stress, and they know, okay, I hear I hear this message of exercise all the time. How can exercise help somebody kind of change their mindset and change their overall mood and kind of change the the psyche, if you will. Absolutely. And, you know, you kind of started mentioning this before when we were talking about, you know, you talked about parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. Um, you know, one of the things that we know if we are chronically experiencing stress, stress at work, family stress, life stress, the world stress, <laughs> the current state of affairs, all sorts of stuff, right? We could go way deep, but yeah, we won't. <laughs> just, just for people listening, we're recording this when there may or may not have been a very uh, interesting press conference by, uh, whether or not he's, he's still in office, uh, when this recording comes out will be different, but there's a very interesting press conference by a uh, by a political figure in the last 24 hours that everybody's reacting to right now. So, so. so we get stressed. We have a number of different stressors. Let's put it that way, Pete. Yeah, right? We yeah, have yeah. a number of different things that stress us. And what we do know, you know, from a physiological standpoint, you know, what changes happen in our body. We know that chronic stress does things like it increases our heart rate, it increases our blood pressure. All these things that we know that again, chronic stress over time will start to affect our physical health. It also affects us psychologically as well. So this is where you know and. I actually do talk about this in the book too and actually kind of on that I'll go back to that theme of like a little kind of ritual or routine for yourself um, you know one of the things that stretching can do and there's been studies that have supported this stretching can help to especially when paired with good breathing techniques which is what I'm going to bring up a great little tip That's application awesome. yeah, good. but um, you know stretching and paired with some you know focused breath work really you know mindful present focus can help to do things like decrease anxiety can help to decrease symptoms of depression I mean this is big time stuff and so I really do believe that exercise, whether it's stretching, whether it's going out for a walk, whatever forms of activity may serve you, they do really have a mind-body benefit. That, that wording's not just reserved for yoga, Pilates, Tai Chi. Exercise, any type of movement does really have mind and body benefits. I'll give this tip, it's just something because I know when it comes to stretching, people are like, they see the guidelines and go, ideally, like when you hold a static stretch, you want to hold the stretch for at least 15 to 30 seconds and then perhaps repeat that two to four times. And 15 to 30 seconds doesn't sound like a lot until you're stretching. And then it sounds like an eternity. So I give this tip, and this is also a great way going back to the, the mind benefits, to really focus on your breath. So we know that on average, people on their rate of breathing take about 12 to 20 breaths in a minute, give or take. And so one way we can actually, again, promote more of this mindful awareness of the, you know, kind of what's happening in the body to really be focused, to activate the parasympathetic nervous system is we can use the breath as a guide when we're stretching. So I recommend, you know, doing at least five or six deep breaths when you're holding a stretch. Again, it's a great way to activate the parasympathetic nervous system and really promote, again, the mind-body benefits. And it ensures you hold the stretch for the amount of time needed for the stretch to really be most beneficial. And, and you're, you're tapping into something because, you know, I've seen a number of people talk about this and, and some of my guests have talked about this in terms of breathing. And I think that is, you know, if we talk, we talk about flexibility being over, overlooked component of fitness, I think a lot of us, um, you know, have never really taken a, a focused approach to breathing. But why, I mean, obviously breathing, but, but why, what is important about breathing? I mean, you mentioned, you know, kind of helping with sympathetic, parasympathetic balance, mm-hmm. but what are we doing? What is the purpose of why we breathe in the first place? And, and why is it important to be mindful about that? Absolutely. Well, the breath, and like you said, of course, has a number of mind and body benefits. But one of the things that's so important, the breath just happens automatically. We don't really think about it, except we should because it sustains life. It's kind of important. And obviously in a discipline like <laughs> yoga, it's central to the yoga practice. I mean, 
the, we couldn't have a downward facing dog or any other posture if we weren't talking about the breath. The breath is actually an integral aspect of yoga. It's honestly one of the most important things. Um, the breath, I mean, of course, what happens with respiration, I mean, this is how we are bringing oxygen into the body, how we are dispelling things that are not needed any longer in the body, carbon dioxide. But we're able to, you know, first of all, get oxygen into the body so that we can, you know, use that oxygen to help to, you know, support the, um, the production of energy, ATP. I mean, it's used for so many different different physiological processes and it's so important we're training the cardiorespiratory system the heart the lungs you know creating this just good balance and these just good functioning well-oiled systems and machines right the body is a machine we should care for it that mindfully and the breath is central to that and it's so interesting to me in just looking at exercise you know and coming from both the fitness world and more of the mind-body disciplines that the breath as you mentioned seems to be a very overlooked aspect and so that's where I think and why I talk about it in the book there's such a great opportunity with stretching to really start to focus on the breath and then what I've found from my own experience is the work I do with the breath when I'm practicing yoga when I'm doing my own stretching routine that carries into them when I go out for a run and I'll tell you this I trained for a half marathon and I've never been in endurance. I was a sprinter in high school. I was never a, like an endurance type of athlete, um, but I was training for a half marathon. I started applying these breathing techniques, one I use in yoga called the Ujjayi breath, or basically it's just deep diaphragmatic breathing. And I couldn't believe how much it helped me to sustain activity for long periods of time to be able to, you know, run 13 miles and do it with somewhat ease. Well, just to, to, to pause there and then we'll, we'll wrap this up because a lot of people don't realize that they might be breathing wrong. And, and I know if you're breathing, okay, you're breathing right. I mean, because the difference, you're obviously, if you're not breathing, you're going into cardiac arrest and we got a whole host of other issues. So if you're not breathing, turn this off and, and call 911. That's just a little, little health tip right there. But in all honesty, a lot of us are breathing wrong. If you look at, if you pay attention to your breathing, does your chest elevate? Mm -hmm. If your chest elevates when you're breathing, you're using your, um, your scaling muscles, you're breathing, you're doing upper respiration. Ideally, what, what Jessica referred to with, it's, how, how, how do you say it in yoga? It's ujjayi breath or a deep diaphragmatic type of breath. You breathe from the diaphragm. I learned this years ago and I, you know, I took a few acting classes years ago, but you learn how to breathe from the diaphragm. And as instructors, you know, as, as fitness instructors, we automatically breathe from the diaphragm. Breathing from the diaphragm can be much more efficient for bringing oxygen in and the diaphragm is actually a very important core muscle because it helps stabilize the connection between your thoracic and lumbar spine. You know, your diaphragm can help brace. That's why when you hear a weightlifter, and this is, you know, this is, I know this is a little bit off top of flexibility, but when you hear a weightlifter grunt sometimes, that's actually what they're doing is they're contracting the diaphragm and the di you know, so they're grunting and it's not just they're making noise, get attention, even though that could be part of it. That's a whole <laughs> different, different issue. But when a weightlifter is grunting, what they're doing is contracting the diaphragm to help stabilize the spine. And there's a lot of, when you get into advanced weightlifting techniques, breathing becomes a very important component of that. So that's one of the things I liked about your book is the fact that you mentioned, you look at it from a whole, it's not just flexibility. You're not mm -hmm. just talking about flexibility. You're not talking about muscles, but you're trying to put the whole picture together. So what are your plans uh, for, the, for the future? Where, if, are you going to be speaking anywhere? Can people find you? If you're going to be at any events? Yep. Actually, one of the events that I'll be at coming up soon, am, am I allowed to mention this yeah, too? Uh, so I'm going to be actually in July at Idea World, which is yep. the, the largest fitness conference. And I know Pete will be there as well, which I'm excited about. So I'm, I'm presenting a couple of different topics there. Uh, really, again, taking this more holistic approach, talking about behavior change while I'm there, talking about um, strategies for group fitness instruction. But also, we're going to do a great 
podcast. Yeah, we're doing we're doing. A, Jessica's agreed to be. <laughs> Jessica's we're going to be doing a live podcast from. It's going to be the first time that idea is doing that. And it's funny because they're a little bit. They keep sending me emails. Are you sure? But I'm like, hey, look. I, if nothing else, we'll get a few of us in the room. We might have five or six people there to watch, but it'll be a good opportunity to record, record a podcast. So, how can people follow you on on social media? I know you're very active, and are you writing for anybody right now? I know you, you've you've written for magazines. Are you, are you writing for anybody in particular right now? I am. So still very active, as you mentioned. I do a lot of media interviews, so uh, especially with, you know, now the book out, I've been talking a lot about flexibility training and other aspects of fitness uh, across different publications. Uh, I do still write for Shape Magazine, so you'll see some of the articles um, that I write there um, for the American Council on Exercise, ACE. Uh, you'll see that as well. And a number of other uh, publications to spark people. I have a new article specifically about stretching coming out. So you'll continue to see some of the, the different ways I'm dabbling in health and fitness but i'd love to you know kind of for people who want to connect to learn more about the book or just to see kind of what i'm up to i'm at fit expert jess uh, and then also my website jessica-matthews.com so people can connect there as well and all the details about the book uh, are on my social and also my website and they can probably buy the book from amazon would be the per thank you for the play like the, the direct <laughs> lead-in uh, people can purchase the book on amazon and it is available as both hard copy and as an ebook as well so for however you prefer to read I'll tell you, I think till the day I die, I'm going to be someone like, I need to hold a book in my hand, but that's just me. I am also environmentally conscious, so I love that it is available on Kindle. So if you're more tech savvy, you're welcome to access it that way too. But Amazon, best place to get the book. And so one, what's one flexibility tip that you can leave us with just for the day? What, what should somebody, what can we do right now to start adding a little more flexibility to our life? Absolutely. One of the best things that I would say is just to get up and move your body in some way. I mean, it seems so, again, so simplistic. I tell my students this and they're probably like, does she have degrees in anything? Does she know what she's talking? I'm like, get up and move your body. But honestly, just, you know, take time in your day. This is the tip I'd give. If you're listening to this right now and you're sitting down, stand up. Stand up and move your body. Do some, you know, arm circles. Do some leg swings. Just do anything to get your body up and moving and to get it functioning the way that it's architecturally designed to be most optimal. Awesome. Well, Jess, thank you very much, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks so much, Pete. As you can see, Jessica and I have a really good time whenever we get together and hang out and talk shop. I really mean it when I say she is one of the people I really have a high regard for in the fitness industry, not just because we worked closely together. I mean, heck, we're, we're neighbors for a number of years. And one, what, one part of my job that I used to have to do is review exercise videos. You know, people would send videos in and, and I'd have to review them and give them a rating whether or not they could be used for education. And let, let me just say, if you watch a number of exercise videos in a row it, it, and you're not doing the exercise, it can kind of tend to uh, put you to sleep. So every now and then I'd, I'd, you know, at my desk, I'd look down, I'd have paper balls all over my lap or all over my computer. And it's because Jessica had been lobbying at me, lobbying them at me from over the, uh, over the cubicle to keep me awake. She said, my snoring was bothering her. So that's the type of relationship we have. I really, I really, I just, I think so highly of her. And I really like the fact that she wrote this book. I think it's a fabulous book. I bought it. I didn't even ask her for a copy. I bought a copy because I thought it was such a good book. And I, obviously I want to support a friend. But if you're looking for different ways that you can use exercise to stay young, I really recommend Jessica's book. I'll have a link to it below in the show notes. And one of the things that, that I'm going to comment on real quick, and, and you'll hear uh, me talk about in upcoming episodes of All About Fitness, is something that I jokingly refer to as the San Diego Fitness Mafia. 
Now, in the book Outliers, the author Malcolm Gladwell identifies certain areas where people kind of gather, where you get certain you know experts together. Obviously, in Los Angeles, you have the, the TV and film industry. In New York, you have finance. In San Francisco, you have a variety of different things. But you know, generally in certain areas, you have experts that gather together. Well, in San Francisco and Silicon Valley, you have high tech. That's what I was thinking of originally with Silicon Valley. Well, here in San Diego, we have a high concentration of fitness experts. And that's due, in fact, that we have two major organizations within the fitness industry here. We have ACE, which is the American Council on Exercise, where Jessica and I used to work together. That's the largest nonprofit fitness certification organization in the country with over 60,000 certified members. And then you also have IDEA. IDEA is a trade association of fitness instructors, personal trainers, and people working in the health wellness sphere. So IDEA originally started about 35 years ago, and IDEA stands for International Dance Exercise Association. It was like the first attempt to educate group fitness instructors at what was then called aerobics. Well, from IDEA, IDEA created ACE, the American Council on Exercise, and spun that off as a separate organization a number of years ago. Those two organizations are located here in San Diego. So as a result, a lot of fitness professionals that work here in San Diego will tend to work with those organizations, and they get elevated as educators, as authors, and just as uh, subject matter experts within the field. Well, you also have a great school here. San Diego State University has an excellent exercise science program. And I say that not just because I've taught there as an adjunct faculty, and one of my good friends is a, is a professor there, Fabio Camana, who's been a guest before, but they really do have an excellent program. San Diego State has been recognized as one of the top exercise science schools in the country. So you have people that come to San Diego State, and, and obviously, if you've ever been to San Diego, you know how awesome the weather is. And then they stay here after their schooling. You have guys like Todd Durkin, who has you know Fitness Quest 10, and he trains a number of top athletes in both baseball and football. You have Anthony Carey, who came here for his master's program. And Anthony Carey is one of the leading experts in biomechanics and, and corrective exercise. You have Pete Agoscu, who does a corrective exercise program. Paul Check, you know, is a, is a you know, holistic health practitioner and on the whole wellness scheme. David Weck, who invented the BOSU Balance Trainer, lives in the San Diego area. Steve Cotter, who's an excellent, who's an expert at teaching kettlebells. He has the IKFF uh, Kettlebell Federation. So Steve Cotter is another San Diego State graduate and, and local. So what you have here in San Diego is you have a whole consortium of, of, of experts that travel around. The, 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 the irony is that, that Fabio and I are good friends, but we spend most of our time you know, hanging out at various conference hotels you know, around the country and around the world because when we're both here in San Diego, we don't get the chance to hang out with each other much. Same with Jessica. You know, we're both so busy with life that it's hard for us to get together. Oftentimes when we do catch up, the best time is on the road. So the reason why I'm saying that is you'll hear me refer to that from time to time, the San Diego Fitness Mafia. Jessica is definitely a, a strong member of the San Diego Fitness Mafia. And what I mean is just it's a, you know, a bunch of us hang out together, and we're all good friends. We all like supporting each other. I want to see my friends do well. You know, We all want to see our friends do well, right? So when, it, when a friend of mine like Jessica has a book that I think is a, has a relevant message, has a strong message, I want to have her on. And one of the reasons why I started this podcast was to be able to tap into so the, so the many resources we have here in the San Diego region. And I haven't even talked to that many. You know, I've, I've barely scratched the surface of that. So all this is an attempt to bring you more information. You know, there's so much nonsense out there about do this, do that in the exercise, you know, in the exercise world. You know, and all I'm trying to do is present information out there and let you make the choices. I'm never going to tell you exactly which is the best way because I don't know which is the best way. Every individual has their own need. But what I am going to try to present to you is different options that you can look into to find your own best way.
Coming up soon in the next few weeks, I'm going to be dropping podcasts that are equipment reviews. It's going to be hard to do equipment review on a podcast, but I will be doing equipment reviews on a podcast. And I've started the All About Fitness podcast, or yeah, All About Fitness podcast channel on YouTube. And I'll be putting my fitness equipment reviews up on YouTube. I used to do equipment reviews for the American Council on Exercise, and I'm going to get back to doing that. So I'm going to help you, the pod, my podcast listeners, identify the best equipment for your needs. You know, I have a great bunch of equipment to go through and start reviewing. The other thing I'm going to be doing coming up is interviewing inventors of fitness equipment. One of the um, interviews I have coming up, are, if you've seen those Total Gym infomercials, well, Total Gym is located here in San Diego, and I sat down with the inventor of the Total Gym and his son, who's now running the company, and we talk about how they got the idea for the Total Gym. So some new content coming up will be you know, sitting down with equipment inventors and fitness equipment reviews. So keep tuning in to All About Fitness. Hopefully you're enjoying it, and if you do enjoy it, please shoot me a message or give us a rating either on iTunes. I've also recently expanded to iHeartRadio, to SoundCloud, to YouTube. YouTube. So I'm learning this stuff as I go. I can tell you what every muscle in your body is designed to do. I can tell you a million different ways to get fit, but I'm just figuring out this podcasting stuff as I go along and I'm having fun doing it. If you get a chance, give me a rating so others can see the message. You know how it works. The more ratings we have, the, the more the, the higher this gets bumped up in all the services. So if you enjoy all about fitness, I'm not asking for any money. All I'm asking you to do is just give me a couple seconds of your time for a rating or tell your friends about it. Have your friends tune in, and if you find the information helpful, hopefully they'll find it helpful too. All I'm trying to help you do is learn how to use exercise and fitness to have your best quality of life and to slow down the aging process. You can reach out to me, Pete, at PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's also my own personal blog. I put a lot of information up there. I do a lot of blogging for the American Council on Exercise. That website is acefitness.org, and you can see my blogs there. You can also tweet at me, PeteMC underscore fitness. That's PeteMC underscore fitness on the Twitter. And on Instagram, I put up a lot of fun stuff on Instagram, PeteMcCall underscore fitness, PeteMcCall underscore fitness on Instagram. Check out the All About Fitness podcast channel on YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Stay fit. And I look forward to having you drop by for future episodes of All About Fitness. Fitness.